Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Tim Harrison, the managing director of Iconic Raw Earths, who are focused on developing its flagship Maku 2 Raw Earths project in Uganda um, into a significant low-cost supply of high-value critical and heavy raw earths. Um, Tim's a chemical uh, metallurgist by background with a track record across both mineral processing and hydrometallurgy um, across a wide range of uh, commodities. So he's obviously um, a, a very technical um, person in the processing field. And he's obviously here to tell us more about uh, iconic rare earths. So that's welcome, Tim, to the podcast. How are you doing, Tim? Yeah, good, Rob. Thanks for having me. No, and I appreciate your time. I know you've been, been pretty busy um, over there in Melbourne. So, um, yeah, appreciate your time. In taking the time to do this podcast. Um, before we begin, I just wonder if you can give uh, our audience a background about yourself, an overview of your career. As I mentioned, that you're um, a chemical chemical engineer and been in metallurgy as your background. So I just wonder if you can tell us a little bit about your career, how it's developed to where you are today. Yeah, okay, Rob. So um, I'm, uh, I studied chemical engineering um, at university in Adelaide. Um, over 20 years now in the mining industry, I've worked in all sorts of different commodities, um, a lot of, of time working um, in copper and gold, um, working in hydrometallurgical applications in copper, gold, uranium, um, spent some time with, with WMC and, and BHB doing a lot of work on Olympic Dam, um, then went and did some, some work with... Uh, um, with Fleur Engineering, um, so building copper gold mines uh, in Australia. And um, after that, uh, restarted a copper gold asset up in Queensland with Ivanhoe um, and spent some time then with, with Cleantech for five years on um, looking at a nickel laterite deposit in New South Wales um, the Syaston project, which was then rebadged at the Sunrise project. And then in um, early 2020, um, came and joined um, Ionic Rare Earths with uh, what, what's the Makutu project and, um, you know, focusing on, on bringing Makutu into production, uh, which, has been, which has been great, a great opportunity and, and very exciting. So obviously you're, you've been promoted into the managing director's role. Um, how how has your career sort of led you into into that um, level of position? Obviously in in, in a executive management and and obviously the managing director. Yeah, look as I, as I mentioned, I initially came on. Um, I came on in, in early 2020 initially as the project manager, and um, and I suppose I, I had a, a passion to see the project sort of move from from those initial phases of the project through the scoping study and, and, and try and drive it towards ultimately what we hope is going to be a producing asset in the next um, 18 months to two years. Um, 
look, I, I, I don't know if there's a, a particular secret. I, I just I think I've I've found my fit and um, and I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed working with the team. Um, I've enjoyed working with it with a smaller project in quite a lean uh, environment. Um, where we, we really have had to focus on moving very quickly to advance the project, you know, dealing with a lot of the challenges of COVID um, and, and being able to sort of maintain the schedule and focus of the project team to just work through the scoping study and, and now, de- you know, delivering a feasibility study. And, um, and I suppose along the way, looking at, you know, how we can make the most out of the asset at Makutu. Yeah, and I wondered if you can just tell us a little bit about, um, obviously, the company, the project, a little bit more detail, um, and also what attracted you to to the project. Yeah, so Ionic Rare Earths, um, we have the Makutu Rare Earth Project, which is a, an ionic absorption clay deposit. Um, so these are very, very rare deposits, highly strategic assets uh, that are prevalent in Southeast Asia and, you know, predominantly southern China. Um, they're the source of, of the bulk of the world's current heavy rare earth production capacity. Um, effectively, the, the rare earths exist in the clay in, in, a, in, a, in a chemical bond, so they're not as a mineral. The minerals have been broken down by, by Mother Nature um, over millions of years, and with rising and lowering of water tables, the, the rare earths are then bonded to the, um, to the alumina silicates and, um, you know, one of the big attractions of the ionic adsorption clays are that they've got very simple metallurgy relative to and simple, simple processing, low capital processing relative to a lot of the hard rock rare earth projects. Um, and they also do produce a, a higher value basket, which is, which is richer in, in heavy rare earths. So, um, you know, I suppose one of the things that attracted me to to Ionic and Makutu was the, the nature of the mineralisation, um, the fact that it was such a strategic deposit, um, you know, the fact it's a very rare type of, of, of deposit outside of southern China um, and Southeast Asia. So um, I, I saw an opportunity to, to be part of something, um, you know, driving a, a low capital project, a modular project into production and, uh, you know, what we expect is going to be a very profitable asset as well. Um, obviously, rare earths are fast becoming a critical mineral, um, essentially in the development of uh, clean technologies. Um, how does your Makutu project differ to others um, and support the, the rare earths market? Yeah, so um, as I mentioned before, so um, being an ionic absorption clay, it does produce a different type of basket, different composition of, of individual rare earth elements to some of the more commonly known um, rare earth projects out there. So um, you've got Linus and MP materials. They typically make a mineral concentrate that's dominated by light rare earths. Um, they have very small compositions of heavy rare earths. You know, uh, MP materials is about 1% heavy rare earths. Uh, Linus is about 4% heavy rare earths. So they're vastly different to Makutu, which is um, about 44% heavy rare earths. So um, the strategic appeal of the asset um, and the ability to supply for a very low capital hurdle, um, a, a, a wide array of the individual heavy rare earth elements that are critical for the transition to, to low carbon 
um, technologies, you know, net zero carbon uh, initiatives, EVs and, and offshore wind turbines, for example. Um, but, you know, there's also a, a suite of, of heavy rare earth elements that are critical for the 5G communication and, and key military and defence applications. So they do have a, a wide number of, of, of specific applications. Uh, in addition to that, there's a number of, of medical applications where substitution is not an option. Um, and realistically, you know, the world is looking for new supplies of heavy rare earths to be able to sort of keep those um, applications uh, going and, and to ensure that, uh, I suppose, Western economies have access to, to those heavy rare earths into the future because they are going to be increasingly more difficult to find. And who is the end user with your particular project and market and the type, uh, the market um, that you're that you're after? Um, whether that's obviously over this side of the world or over your side of the world, um, who's the sort of end user client? Yeah, so um, Rob, we've got a, a, a number of, of potential end users. Um, obviously, the the electric vehicle uh, revolution. Um, is, is driven by, you know, a vast number of, of permanent magnet um, motors. Um, so you, you can't have the motors without, without the rare earths. And, um, and whilst we've watched with a lot of interest the boom in lithium-ion battery um, capacity, we, we haven't seen anywhere near the same capacity being rolled out on, on motors and permanent magnets. And so... Um, that's that's a key a key area and opportunity for for the company. You know, we've got thirty three percent of our of our basket being neodymium, praseodymium, dysprosium, and terbium, which are the four key magnet rare earths that go into those permanent magnets for for EVs. Um, but beyond EVs, you've got the offshore wind turbines, the, the generators, the big magnets that go into the the direct drive uh, offshore wind turbines. Um, you know, that's potentially a massive opportunity for specifically a project like Makutu, which has the ability to, you know, based upon the, the upside case of the scoping study, you know, Makutu by 2050 has the potential to supply about 90 gigawatts of offshore wind capacity. So it, it is a project of, of significant appeal when, when it comes to um, being a, a key facilitator in a portion of the, the world's move towards a net zero carbon future, um, you know, we can, we can supply a fraction of it and, uh, you know, we're looking at markets in both um, North America and Europe, uh, for example. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of work in understanding the opportunity for our basket long term, but... You know, they would be, be two areas where we're seeing significant deployment of capital in, in EVs and offshore wind turbine applications um, right now. In addition to that, you know, there's a number of applications in key military defence and communications um, that simply can't be developed without the products of the, the, the key rare earth elements from our basket. So we are really in, in a very good position to be a... Um, I suppose that the right partner for, for for countries and governments that are looking at secure and traceable supply chains of heavy rare earths for the next you know for the next you know 27, 30, 50 years. Um, certainly Makutu has the potential to be a very long life asset supplying these 
these blend of of, of highly de, um, highly desirable heavy rare earths, magnet and heavy rare earths. Um, and that's obviously part of your strategy. You're acquiring a UK technology firm, um, Siren Technologies. Um, what is it that they have developed um, that have obviously complements um, your your company's mission? Yeah, so Seren Technologies, um, you know, for the last five years, they've been sort of, you know, further developing the technology that, that's been, that was initially developed with and, and patented by, by Queen's University Belfast um, and the Queen's University Ionic Liquids Laboratory. Um, and so the, the technology uses ionic liquids to separate rare earths. Um, it can um, achieve high separation factors, um, which effectively means that we can we can achieve the separations in, in less stages um, in in the circuit. So um, so they've done a lot of work over the last five years. You know, we came across the technology last year. Um, we identified a, a key opportunity and a potential fit. Um, I think the opportunity for us and you know, while Seren Technologies and the technology they've developed is great, it really needs an asset to drive the full value of the project. Simply trying to, to market a technology to other companies who are looking at developing, you know, um, light rare earth concentrates isn't hugely attractive. Um, and when you're looking at a basket like like Makutu's, we certainly have the basket to get the full value out of the technology and to be able to, um, I suppose, take that technology and fully exploit it um, directly on, on the Makutu basket. So, you know, we, we saw an opportunity to move very quickly with that. Um, but probably one of the most exciting opportunities with Seren is, you know, they've done a lot of work in magnet recycling. Um, they've, they've developed the technology to be able to chemically extract the individual rare earth elements out of the spent waste magnets, which is, you know, unique compared to a, a lot of other recycling technologies available today. Um, so it's able to extract the rare earths, turn them back into high purity oxides, which you can then go to making better uh, quality um, new magnets for the future. So it's something that um, you know we're excited by. You know we, we've begin we've begun talks with potential magnet manufacturers who are also seeing this is a step change in in magnet recycling capability and. Uh, you know, once we, we finalise the, the acquisition of, of, of Seren, um, we'll be able to sort of start moving ahead with the strategy of, of commercialising this technology and, uh, you know, potentially being able to move very quickly with a low capital modular deployments of, of magnet recycling um, across, you know, jurisdictions, uh, jurisdictions in, in Europe and, and, and North America um, over the next couple of years. Um what strategy do you have in place for uh, taking your project to market um, and will you construct your own refinery? Yeah, so um, we, we initially focused on what we needed to do to advance Makutu to the point where we had a really good appreciation of the economics of Makutu. We did that last year. We announced a scoping study. As we were working through that scoping study, I think we identified that realistically to, to get the, the, the most value from the asset, 
we did have to start to think about how we would go downstream, how we potentially are able to unlock value given that, um, you know, current world capacity on heavy rare earth refining is dominated by Chinese players um, and, and nearly completely controlled by um, Chinese entities. So, you know, in looking at maximising the potential revenue of the, of the basket from Makutu, the plan really has been to look at going downstream, to look at vertical integration, working with um, potential customers in, in new supply chains because, you know, it, it, the, the project and the ability to market our product is really restricted by our ability to actually bring in, bring the product and market it directly to, to end users. So um, we identified last year an opportunity to, to move ahead with our own thoughts around developing a, a rare earth refinery. So we initiated a scoping study. Um, prior to doing that, we completed a desktop study, which gave us a, a, a pretty good sanity check on the opportunity. Um, and so on the back of that, we were very keen to move forward with that, with that scoping study and we'll have that completed later this year. Um, you know, we're working through a location analysis to, to better understand where potentially good locations for a rare earth refinery would be. And, um, and with that rare earth refinery, also understanding where potential other players in new and emerging rare earth supply chains would be located as well. So, you know, we are trying to map out all of the, the individual components that would likely go into building new secure and traceable supply chains for, um, you know, manufacturing and, and, and expected um, traceability for the future. So, um, you know, we, we've announced that the strategy of becoming more vertically integrated and you know, over the course of the next few months, we'll continue to do more work and be in a position to be able to update the market um, later this year on, on where we see potentially the, you know, whether it's one or more opportunities with going downstream with a refinery, it's really going to depend on who our strategic partner is and, um, you know, where we're, where we're positioning ourselves to, to build that supply chain long term. Um, what challenges has uh, the company or even the project had, um, obviously, during your time there? And also, uh, Uganda, um, what's it like as a mining jurisdiction? I'm not sure if I've had anyone on the, on the podcast that's uh, doing anything in Uganda, so it'd be good to hear uh, what it is like uh, sort of mining in that jurisdiction. Yeah, look, um, so, Rob, I mean, challenges... You know, we, we've just come through a, a two-year two, two year challenge with COVID and, and um, I mean, that's that's been testing at times. We've, um, we've been able to progress the project really well over the last two years um, through our partners and through the network that we've been able to build in Africa and Uganda. So, um, you know, we've been able to, to complete um, four drilling programs um, in Uganda um, which has been a tremendous um, activity from, from, from all of our, our team um, in Uganda and, and some of our partners and um, service providers down in South Africa and, and Burundi. So, you know, we've, we've been able to work really well together as a team over the last two years. We've navigated all of those challenges. We've worked closely with the communities in Uganda. Um, I think we've, we've, we've demonstrated 
our um, our desire to be be very transparent and to try and do things in the best possible way in Uganda. And I think that that's been well received. Um, we're doing a lot of work at the moment on a community engagement and, and positioning ourselves to to you know win that um, that, that community and social license to operate um, from the stakeholders in in Uganda. Um, we've been able to complete the environmental and social impact assessment and submitted that early uh, late last year and and we hopefully we'll get feedback on that um, over coming months and uh, at the moment we're working through the resettlement action plan and these are key inputs that are required for a mining license application that we're looking at submitting later this year as far as the support we've had in Uganda um, you know we've had tremendous support um, and great engagement from the Ugandan uh, authorities, the government departments. Um, so, you know, it, it really has been a very good experience for the company and, and our partners in Renzori Rare Metals over the last, uh, certainly as long as I've been involved, so a bit over two years. Um, we've had a very good engagement with the Ugandan um, government um, we've got good service providers in Uganda and we've worked really well together. And, uh, and I think that there is substantial potential for, for other projects to be developed in Uganda in the near term. And, and I think hopefully on the back of our successes um, with Ionic and, and Renzori Rare Metals in developing uh, the Makutu Rare Earth Project, um, that hopefully that becomes a, a bit of a signal to, to the rest of the air, uh, the rest of the industry that there are um, some really good opportunities in Uganda um, that, that should be explored. Um, with the movement to obviously a, a green economy um, and clean energy and uh, technology, um, what's the outlook for the rare earth market? Uh, good question, Rob. I think um, it would be safe to say that um, you know more more rare earths will be required. I think looking at the demand for EVs and offshore wind turbines, you know, there's some stats that I've got in one of our presentations that sort of indicates an eightfold increase in demand for, for EVs and, and offshore wind turbine just by the end of this decade. Um, so, you know, to, to think about bringing on um, an eightfold demand on, on magnet rare earths is going to be extremely difficult for the industry um, because the the assumption is that the rare earths are there and whilst there's tremendous amounts of light rare earths there's um, that simply can't be said for heavy rare earths and, and that's why I think we're starting to see certainly the savvy investors understanding the opportunity with heavy rare earths and um, you know um, I suppose barring um, any major shift in the thematics around, you know, renewables and sustainability and, and, uh, and moving to net carbon um, targets um, or net zero carbon targets, um, there simply needs to be more production of magnet rare earths um, by the end of this decade and beyond to be able to achieve the, the ambitions of, of, you know, 2050 or 2060 or whenever these these uh, larger governments globally have, have set the, the targets of being net zero. And is there a lot of exploration in um, rare earths and obviously heavy rare earths as well? Um, is, there, is, is there a lot of activity in the exploration space? And also, is there particular jurisdictions or even countries 
where there's probably going to be more more of a resource where companies would go to to obviously try and find um, larger resources and and obviously better better quality resources. Yeah, look, I mean, there's been tremendous amount of um, of development in the in the rare earth space over the last you know certainly the last twelve months. I mean, um, we're seeing new companies on a monthly basis in the rare earth space, um, you know, being listed globally. Um, so there's a lot of exploration, a lot of work being done. Um, you know, a lot of light rare earth deposits are being found. Um, and, you know, that's great, but you only need a handful of light rare earth deposits to, to be able to supply substantial amounts of NDPR. Um, what, what the world really needs to find is more supplies of heavy rare earths. And um, unfortunately, it's, uh, it's easier said than done. And, um, and I suppose therein lies, you know, one of the other reasons why um, I, I was very keen to get involved with Makutu is because it's, you know, being at, um, you know, 44% of our basket being heavy rare earths um, or, you know, 73% magnet plus heavy rare earths, it is a very unique project and, um, and has tremendous appeal. Um, as far as you know, where does next the, the next phase of exploration um, occur? Um, my genuine feeling is that it'll 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 go into areas that probably haven't had the exploration um, in the past in order to go and find these new resources. Um, you know, sometimes if you want to find something, you've got to go and look where no one's looked before. Um, and I think that means going into new jurisdictions where where people maybe uh, are not as familiar um, and, and looking a little bit harder um, to, to try and find these unique assets and, and the, the assets that are really going to move the needle on, on magnet and heavy rare earth supply for the future. And lastly, um, what's the outlook for the next 12 to 18 months for Ionic Rare Earths? Yeah, so um, look over the next... Uh, six months, we're going to, you know, it'll be a lot of hive of activity as we work towards, you know, completing the feasibility study and the, the mining licence application. Um, you know, we've got the, the last of our, our, our phase four assays that hopefully will come out soon. We've got um, a mineral resource estimate that will be completed soon, which, you know, I, I'm expecting is going to be a, a very good, um, uh, um, you know, upgrade in confidence um, and potentially the quantum for for the overall scale of the of the resource at Makutu, um, and, and with that potentially a, a significant impact then on the feasibility and um, so yeah very excited about what the what the near term holds for for Ionic um, you know we continue to do a lot of um, project development work um, metallurgical test work. Um, we're working still on, on the, the geotechnical work and the hydrology work and all of the inputs um, that feed into the feasibility study. You know, engineering is, is working through capital and operating cost estimation and, and sort of refining and value engineering on the, on the overall flow sheet. And so hopefully that's all going to be completed in the next six months. Um, we'll have a mining licence application in before the end of October um, this year. And then um, once we've got that completed, you know, we'll, we'll be then looking at a strategy to, to get Makutu into production as soon as possible or um, aligned with, you know, the needs of a strategic partner and, and potentially looking at the timing of, 
of of developing our own refinery. Um, you know, we we're, we're very conscious of 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 Western um, Western demands to have you know secure, traceable, and alternative supplies of of, of permanent magnets being you know and coming online over the next you know 2025 2026 so you know we are looking at ways in which we can be a key player in that in that space um and and i suppose the other thing that that's going to happen hopefully very shortly is you know the finalization of of the seren technologies acquisition and you know being able to move with a little bit more um purpose on on accelerating the the magnet recycling potential of of what Seren's been doing, and um, and with that, you know, potentially being to, being able to bring on new supplies of of magnet rare earths, uh, and working on new supply chains um, in the near term on on recycled materials. So, you know, we are we are working with a strategy of becoming more vertically integrated and working more closely with, you know, end users. Um, and uh, and I suppose over the course of the next few months, you know, hopefully we'll be in a position where we can we can update the market on some of the nature of those discussions as well. Yeah, <laughs> so a busy year ahead it seems. Then, yeah, look, um, it is. It's um, we're, we've we've got a big twelve months ahead of us, and um, you know, um, you know, if we're if we're successful with that, we'll be rewarded with probably an even bigger twelve months after that. So. Um, you know, uh, success breeds success, and so we're we're hopeful that um, you know the next twelve months is going to be a great foundation for the company going forward. Yeah, well, Tim, I really appreciate your time uh, in telling us more about Onic Rare Earths and obviously your uh, your project, and and give us a, an overview of obviously the rare earth industry. Um, obviously, wish you well uh, for the rest of this year. If you want to come back onto the podcast at the end of the year and give us an update, more than welcome. Um, so um, for those that are listening, appreciate um, if you can share and like this uh, episode, share it, obviously, share the um, episode on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you've listened to this on a podcast, appreciate if you can, um, your continued support and sharing sharing the um, the podcast amongst others that you may work with, whether it's your subordinates, managers, etc. Appreciate you um, if you can share this episode and the podcast as well, because it obviously it is an education. Um, we don't have many people coming onto the podcast that talk about rare earths, and obviously Tim's explained a uh, an important project around heavy heavy rare earths, and I, I think it's important for the the wider mining community to learn about this. So again, appreciate your time, Tim. Um, Thanks, Rob. It's great. All the best for the for this year, and and until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes, and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.